millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin and how did they end? Let's find out on episode 47, The Fall of the Western Joe. Previously, on the Fan of History, King Yu of China divorced Queen Xin to make his concubine, Bao Si, the new queen. Much to the dismay of the old queen's father, the Marquis of Xin. Meanwhile, the dog people are gathering close to China's borders, hungry for vengeance. All right, Dan. Stories like this never have a happy ending. So what's going on? They don't. They do have a beautiful ending. We'll talk about <laughs> that. First, I got to mention Argishti, who is the king of Urartu. And Urartu is the strongest state in the Near East, with Assyria as a close second. We have Argishti's annals. So we know quite a bit about him. He's the sixth king of Urartu. And he founded Yerevan, the capital of modern Armenia, in 782 BC. And in 774 BC, Assyria and Urartu fights it out again. Oh boy. This, yeah, we did a lot of that on the episode when you were in Alaska. It was, yeah. yes, Syria and Urartu fighting each other. This is the eponym year of Istarduri, the governor of Isibis. There was also an Assyrian campaign against the Chaldean state of Namri in the Sagros Mountains in 774 BC. So two campaigns, probably both led by Shamshi Ilu, the field marshal of Assyria, who now seems to be controlling the movement of the Assyrian army completely. And the king is uh, probably just hanging out in the capital, doing uh, yeah, nothing of importance. <laughs> Shamshi'ilu claims that he captured Argishti's camp, and it's probably from this year that he claims that. So there was almost an open battle, and Argishti's camp was lost. So that's an Assyrian victory. And if we look in Argishti's books, we find um, really nothing about this year. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, so nothing happened. Don't worry about so it. he just moves from 775 to 773 and doesn't mention this year. <laughs> so this could have been an Assyrian victory. Oh boy. In, 
773 BC, Shamshi-Ilu surprises Damascus with a direct attack. Um, this is kind of surprising, as he has to do Rajan problem. Yeah, I'll say, that's bold. Yes, and Damascus, the last thing we heard about Damascus was that it was crushed in 796 BC by the Assyrians, but apparently it had become a problem once again, maybe with Urartian aid. But Assyria wins, Damascus pays tribute, and Damascus is ruled by a guy that the Assyrians name Kadianu. And this might be still Ben-Hadad III, who we talked about earlier, but if not, we don't know what happened to Ben-Hadad III or who this guy is. Hmm. Uh, another source has a guy called Tab L. He's probably a relative of Carl L. of Krypton, <laughs> ruling Damascus in 770 BC. He's Tab of House L. Yes, <laughs> so the, the city of Damascus uh, not doing very well. Uh, 773 BC is the eponym year of Manuki Akkad, the governor of Rakhmat in Assyria. Uh, well, Damascus has uh, an old enemy named Israel, and when Israel sees this, or maybe in coordination with Shamshilu, Israel also attacks Damascus. And this might even be on Assyrian orders, because the last thing we heard of Israel was that they became an Assyrian vassal state. So Jeroboam II, the king of Israel, goes to war with Damascus. And this is a great success because the, the Old Testament claims that he restores Israel boundaries from the approaches of Hamath to the Dead Sea. And this includes the kingdom of Moab now under stern Israeli control. Oh, wow. And we can see this in the archaeological record of Israel that Israel is now growing. There is intense economic growth and stability in Israel. So being an Assyrian vassal state is not all bad. Especially if you get to beat up your old enemy, Damascus. <laughs> we also have Amasiah ruling peacefully over Judah. Also nominally a vassal of Assyria. And then in 772 BC we have the second Olympic Games. Every four years we'll talk about the Olympics. So everything we said in the last episode still applies to the Olympic Games. It's just one day, one event. It's the foot race of 180 meters. It's won by a guy called Antimachos, who Antimachos. is from yeah from a, from a city a town called Dispontium in the city state Pisatis, and he's the second Olympic winner. Woohoo! All right. Do they, do you, well, I guess we'll find out, but I'm wondering if, does the, do the previous winners even try? Or are they like, oh, we already won this, you go for it? Yeah, we will, we will have repeat winners, so right. they are allowed to try again. But, remember, they had to be young, oh, so, okay. so you have to be really young in the first <laughs> time. Small window of opportunity. Yes, but we'll ha I think we'll have guys winning on the Olympics three times. Whoa. So maybe you are allowed to be somewhat old if you had won before. Uh, in 772 BC as well, Shalmaneser IV, the not-so-great king of Assyria, dies. 
So let's have a moment of silence for this mighty king and contemplate all his powerful deeds. Uh, we don't really know of any powerful deeds. So <laughs> we should probably just talk about Chamchi Ilu. And the field marshal's control over the Assyrian army just grows stronger. We don't know, we seldom do, why the Assyrian king died. But we know a little bit about his family. He he's probably Shalmanis IV was probably not very old because he is succeeded by his brother Ashurdan. Hmm. And it's possible that he has another brother called Ashur Nirari. If not, Ashur Nirari is the son of Ashurdan and the nephew of Shalmanis IV. And maybe, just maybe, Shalmanis IV has another brother called Pool. Or maybe Pool is his son. Or maybe Pool is the son of Ashurnirari. <laughs> but most likely Pool is a big fat liar. We'll talk more about Pool later. But the Assyrian king has an enormous amount of brothers because there is a harem and um, the Assyrian king has plenty of wives. Right. So brothers will be a constant problem for the Assyrian king. And uh, yeah, this. so did you get the family tree here? <laughs> I think the family tree is all over the map. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and it's sad to think, we have Shalmanis IV dominated by his field marshal Shamshilu yep. and powerful nobles, so we don't know very much about what he did. But even though this reign is a bad time for the empire, there will come a time very shortly when people will look back to the days of Shalmanis IV and think about them as the good old days. Yikes. Because things are about to get much worse for Assyria. So in the same year then, Ashurdan III becomes the king of Assyria. It's, uh, it's a powerful name. The first king of the Neo-Assyrian Empire was Ashurdan II. Mm-hmm. Back in episode 10 of this podcast. Oh boy, we're on 47 now. <laughs> yeah, we'll be celebrating two years. That's amazing. <laughs> Ashadan III is the eighth king of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. He will rule from 772 to 755 BC. And uh, yeah, he is not doing much better than Chalmanis IV. He is in the palace, in Kala, and other people are making the decisions for him. But it gets to be the eponym of 772 BC. So the king is always the first eponym in the eponym chronicle. Uh, meanwhile, in Urartu, Argishti in 772 BC is campaigning to the north. And he ravages the land of Tawini. He captures 11 cities. And uh, once again, we don't know if these things are made up or not. Um, we don't know anything <laughs> about this Tawini land, but uh, apparently Argishti is doing well. But then suddenly there is a big hole in the chronicles of Argishti. So we don't know anything more from Urartu for this uh, decade. Oh, wow. And we don't really know why. So we'll look at that in the 760s BC. Um, as we said before then, two episodes ago, in Zhou, China, the queen, the concubine that the king made the, into the queen, Bao Si, 
She is very bored. <laughs> uh, King, King Yu is still madly in love with this girl. So he tries to entertain her. He brings entertainers from all over China and like nothing stops the queen from being bored. But then they think of a joke together that they could do to entertain the queen. So they light all the warning beacons oh, that is set up in Joe China. That sounds like a funny, funny thing. <laughs> yeah, and then all the, the nobles, all the vassals of the Joe state, this most powerful state in the world, they come hurrying to the capital, armed to the teeth. <laughs> and then finally Queen Bao Si is... Is amused. <laughs> She's like, oh, they all got here, and I, it was just me lighting the warning beacons. Oh Look at gosh. my power! The... And the army of Joe China goes, "What? There's no war." But uh, there is no war. It's just a stupid joke. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, also in 772 BC. The uh, Assyria fights Hatarika, also called Katarika, which is a place close to Aleppo in Syria. This is somewhat important because it shows that Assyria can still project power into the west, into the area close to uh, the Mediterranean. So the Assyrian state might be uh, very sick, but it's not dead yet. And... Um, well, then we get to the main event. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Of this episode, in 771 BC, the Western Zhou dynasty falls spectacularly. They have been around for almost uh, 300 years, uh, ruling China from this <laughs> small state of Zhou. Yeah. They have the wow. mandate of heaven, and they are controlling all of China, as China is in um, in these ancient times. It's a much smaller state than modern China, of course, but it's huge compared to anything else. And this is what happened. The old queen's father, the Marquis of Shen, he is pissed off, of course, because his daughter lost her queenly power. Right. So he searched out the Kuan Rong, the dog people. And they had been uh, mad at the Zhou dynasty ever since the days of the old epic king, King Mu, who beat up the dog people in episode 5 of this podcast. So they, the Kuan Rong, the dog people, they hold a grudge for a very long time, <laughs> for 200 years. And now they will get their revenge. So the Marquis of Shen, allied with the dog people, attack the capital of the Zhou dynasty, which is Hao Jing. 
to avenge this horrible crime of uh, kicking the queen out. And of course, King Yu becomes really worried and lights the warning beacons. <laughs> but hmm. uh, the queen, the queen Bao Si, has repeated this uh, practical joke of hers. So nobody believes the warning beacons anymore. So nobody comes. Wow. The instrument and, uh, of her own demise. Yes. And of course, this is quite, uh, could be just a legend, but uh, the warning beacon thing. But it is uh, very clear that the Western Zhou dynasty falls in this year. King Zhu and the new crown prince, Bufu, probably only a couple of years old, are killed. And the Quan Rong ravaged the city of Haojing so much that it stops being the capital. And the Marquis of Shen, he has a play to make here because he has the old crown prince, his grandson, Prince Jiju. And he now puts him on the throne. So Prince Jiju becomes the king of China under the name King Ping. But the capital is now in ruins and the dog people are ravaging the Zhou territory. And there's a dangerous horde of barbarians inside China. Which is perhaps not the best uh, place to be when you want to start a new dynasty. Right. You don't invite your enemies <laughs> to live next to you. Jiju, King Ping, he was still the son of the old king, King Yu. Right. Uh, so the Zhou dynasty itself continues, but this event is so monumental. So from now on, we will refer to the Zhou dynasty as the Eastern Zhou dynasty instead of the Western. And the big, big difference is that the Western Zhou dynasty, they really rule China. Whereas the Eastern Zhou dynasty, which will go on forever, the Zhou dynasty is the longest dynasty in Chinese history. The, the Zhou dynasty will be around until the 3rd century BC. But the Eastern Zhou dynasty is a puppet dynasty. Uh, so what the Marquis of Shen does, he moves the capital east to a place called Lujiang. And this move of the capital away from the dog people then will be the beginning of the Eastern Zhou dynasty. And this is why it's called Eastern, because it's to the east. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah, and this begins the period in Chinese history called the Spring and Autumn Period, hmm. which is this amazing poetic name. It, um, it will last until 476 BC, so the Spring and Autumn Period is 771 to 476 BC, and the name comes from a book called the Spring and Autumn Annals. It's a chronicle of the small state of Lu. And it's, it is, some people think that Confucius himself wrote this book. So this very beautiful name comes from a book. But there are also Chinese historians that refer, refer to this period as the age of regional cultures. But the age of regional cultures only lasts to 643 BC. And there is a reason for that, because now we will go into com almost complete darkness of Chinese history. 
we've had periods in the Western Joe where we know, knew quite a bit, and other periods where we didn't know as much. But now it all goes black, and China pretty much leaves our history until the mid 7th century BC. So I'm sorry, fans of ancient China, I don't have much to say. We know the names of the kings. This King Ping, who is probably not very old himself, he will rule a long, long time. But we don't know much at all about him. But the states, the, the name, the age of regional cultures, probably comes from the fact that now the states of China become quite independent. They're not entirely independent. They will all pay lip service to the Zhou king. And there will be an institution pretty close to the shogunate of Japan, uh, where someone will be like the great warlord of China, who really controls China. But this title will move between the ruling houses, and we'll talk more about that in the spring and autumn period. But this is the epic event that ends the Western Zhou. It seems like, I mean, it, it, you were right. It's, it's pretty. It's like a, a beautiful play, <laughs> a morality play. You know, one where it's like, oh, don't, don't cry wolf. Oh, don't, don't marry your concubine. <laughs> you know. Yes, and Chinese shifts in rule always have these legends, so it makes you not believe them that much. Right. There's always the fall where the king goes weird and loses his power. It mm. happened when the Zhou dynasty took over China, right before we started our podcast. And you. it did happen before that, and it will happen again. So say we all. So back to Assyria. All right. In uh, 771 BC, Assyria fights Gananati. So we still have yearly campaigns, at least. At least someone in, <laughs> is doing stuff yeah. in Assyria. Someone's raiding. We might not know who, but it's someone. Uh, Shamshi Ilu. Ah, Shamshi Ilu. <laughs> Gananati is in northern Babylonia. So there's a conflict with Babylon again. And the enemy might be Marduk Aplasur, the king of Babylonia. Uh, and uh, we don't know much about this, but in the following year, in 770 BC, Assyria fights Marad. And Marad is also in northern Babylonia. And this ep is the eponym year of Shamshi Ilu, uh, the commander in chief, which uh, then uh, shows how much power Shamshi Ilu has. And it's not his first, and it will not be his last eponym year. We should note that the Medes were not attacked by Assyria in this decade. And remember how many attacks we had on the Medes. Oh yeah. They were showing up all over the place. Yes, and it probably means that Assyria has worse problems than trying to get more horses from the Medes. And Assyria was busy with the Urartu uh, armies. It is possible that the Medes are still the vassals of the Manians. Uh, we don't know much about the Manians yet. The first known king of the Medes, Delucas, will appear in 700 BC. 
So the Medes will not be a super powerful factor in the region for a while still. Okay. And that's it for all of the 770s BC. And we're about to move into the 760s BC. All right, 760s BC. It looks like we're going to cover Assyrian Empire spiraling downward. It's going to get bad. Oh, man. The Assyrians, they are reaping what they have sown. Yeah, and it seems to be mostly caused by themselves as well, uh, in a direct manner that they Hmm. can't control this empire of theirs. Interesting. Maybe we as humans have a limit to how long we can control an empire. Definitely. And uh, it's interesting to look at how long empires last. And that's one thing that makes the Roman Empire so fascinating because it goes on forever. Pax Romana. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, please go to YouTube, like and subscribe. Share it with your friends. If you have friends that like this kind of history discussions, please do. Give us a review on iTunes. And also, we thank you for listening. Facebook.com slash fanofhistory. You can go to fan of history, thefanofhistory.wordpress.com. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. If you like what we're doing and you want to see us do more of it or hear us do more of it, please, please, please consider supporting us on Patreon. We are doing this... Um ancient times until 71 BC and the destruction of Sennacherib. But we would like to cover the 7th century BC, including the rise of Rome as a small regional power, at least. Right. And for those... (laughs) So for those students out there, if you would like our research to help you in your studies, so to speak, hey... Dollar an episode. Dan does a lot of research. Yeah, we got to raise some funds because uh, I am doing YouTubing and podcasting full time. And that's not supported by this podcast. So <laughs> I would like it to be somewhat supported by this podcast. So right. if you like this, please consider supporting us at Patreon. Yeah, Patreon.com slash fan of history. And if you find it more convenient to donate with PayPal or something, just send us a message on Facebook and we'll give you the contact details. Sounds good. All right. For this week, I am Brennan. And I'm Dan. And this has been the Fan of History. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.